Welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. From piecing to quilting and everything in between, this podcast brings you tips and techniques from the experts and fun stories from quilters just like you. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. I'm Ashley Huff, and today our special guest is MJ. So MJ, can you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Ashley. It's good to be with you. Um, I'm, I'm a quilt maker. I, it, it grabbed hold of my soul about 30 years ago when I learned how to quilt with my beautiful mom. She had a friend who was a, a master quilt maker and uh, her name was Gay and she encouraged us to take a class with her. And so we did every Wednesday night, we'd go over to Gay's house and learn how to cut out our little patches and match our points and quilt and put on binding. And I'm telling you, it like I said, it just resonated with me. My mom's family is um, descended from Amish. So she was raised mm-hmm. Mennonite. And so we, we like to laugh and say that it was in our cultural DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's been 30 years and I've, I've been, I just love it. Everything about it. That's perfect. Well, so uh, maybe this is me not knowing a lot about that culture, but is that normally hand quilting and hand stitching? Is that how you taught or first learned was hand quilting or was it by machine? I, it was basically by machine. The culture okay. of Amish and Mennonite um, is very much, uh, very much hand stitching. Obviously, the right. Amish do not uh, have any kind of electricity, and so right. it's. And I don't know if they use machines like a, a treadle or something like that. I, I probably should do oh, yeah. much about that. But I learned how to, um, I learned how to, a machine piece, and mm-hmm. hand quilt. I was a hand quilting snob for the first <laughs> years of my of my quilting experience, and I really you know tried hard to get those teeny tiny little stitches perfectly even, you know, twelve to an inch. And I did a big Amish quilt, and I look at those stitches now and say, "Oh boy, oh boy, I could never do that now." Really? What What made you want to do that? And then I guess what was your switch to? Why did you then stop? Well, I wanted to start quilting not purely for artistic reasons. I wanted to create quilts that I would hang on my walls. I was a poor social worker for 100 years, and I was living in dingy apartments, and I, I knew that color and fabric would soften everything up. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's why I started. And my I made a couple of wall hangings, and then I dove into a big um, diamond in square, which I think is kind of, you know, kind of a pre-sage is what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. It took me a week to piece it and four years to quilt it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I've got a couple unfinished projects, as I feel like everybody does, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I could continuously work on something for four years. I would lose interest. So how did you stay motivated to actually finish it Well, over I, that four years? I did go to grad school during that time. So I had oh, a little okay, bit so of kind of an excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. Well, so you said kind of a precursor to what you're doing now. So you said diamond into square. So uh, describe what it is you're doing now and what it is I think that everyone will recognize you for as soon as they hear what you say you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I make quilts that look like faceted diamonds. Yes. Uh, they are They are large quilts. They are meant to hang on the wall as art. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, about, about a couple of years after I started quilting with mom and gay, an uh, image of a gemstone arrived in my mailbox it was on a flyer uh, for Kentucky Center for the Arts, and it was a beautiful, round, brilliant solitaire. 
And now I understand that it was a relatively unusual gemstone because it's 12 faceted brilliant solitaire. Most brilliant solitaires are eight faceted, but I loved everything about it. I loved the way the light popped in the top and then shot out the bottom. I loved the asymmetry of it. I loved the value contrast. And, you know, the way my brain works, I looked at it and said, this could be a quilt because it's all straight Mm -hmm. lines. All of those little facets were straight lines. And I thought there's got to be a method to the madness. There's got to be a pattern to all of this chaos of color and light that I'm looking at. And I knew nothing. I knew this much, little teeny tiny bit about quilting and nothing about gemology. But as I stared, I remember sitting at my dining room table, just staring at that gemstone saying, how would I put this together? And all of a sudden the faceting pattern hit me. I mean, I could see it. And that's the key to my gemstones is once you can pick out the faceting pattern, the way the gemologist has cut it and the, you know, the, it, it provides some structure to the, the, the gemstone. And those, that's the key to your block pattern because these mm-hmm. quilts are just giant block quilts. It's just that the blocks are a little wonky shaped. So yeah. I, as I was looking at this, I said, I have no clue how I'm going to put this together because if you think about it, every single piece would be a different shape, right? Yeah. And up to that point, I'd just been making quilts where there was maybe one, two, maybe three different shaped pieces, fast, um, uh, yeah, templates. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how would I create this? How would I code it? Once it was cut apart, how would I know how to put it back together? Every cut facet would have its own color. How would I code for that? So I did a lot of research. I researched Paulinadel Stern's technique, Ruth McDowell's technique, a lot of paper piecing. Didn't know a thing mm-hmm. about paper piecing. But when I ran across Cynthia England's picture piecing technique in a book, I saw Peace and Quiet, the the, the quilt that she won uh, that in, all of those awards for. It was as though a light bulb went off above my head. I'm like, freezer paper. This is how I'm going to put it together. Okay. So I have so many questions right now. I don't even honestly know where to start. I want to come back to the freezer paper because I'm not sure how you're going to circle back to that. But I want to know um, when you are looking at it, are there repeats in the sections? And do the sections come back in straight line piecing or are there Y seams? Like how complicated is is it compared to what it looks? Because it looks really complicated. Well, the, there are Y seams. There are some set in seams. Um, you can okay. simplify it down and create and manage those, those set in seams to be uh, actual straight seams. However, I wanted to be as true to the original design for that first quilt as I possibly could, because I wasn't confident in my ability to make it look like a real gemstone. So I, I tried to be very faithful to the faceting structure. So yes, mm-hmm. there are repeats in a brilliant solitaire. You're basically, if you're looking for the top down on a brilliant solitaire, you're looking mm-hmm. at a pie, right? In eight different little shards, little eight pieces. And within right. those pieces, there are, let's see, six um, identical pieces. First of all, you're going to have your table facet. In my trunk shows and in my classes, I talk about the anatomy of a gem and you look at the different faceting patterns. So you have the table facet, you've got the star facets, which have their little toes up around the table facet. Then you've got the kite or the bezel facets. And these are the little ones that if you can find a kite or a bezel facet you in a, in a, in a, a brilliant cut solitaire, you can find all of them because they're just holding hands all the way around the diamond. 
And then outside of the chite facets and the basal facets are the girdle facets, the, the, the upper girdle. It's the one who their little toes touch that structure that separates the crown of the gemstone from the lower part, the pavilion part. Mm -hmm. So once you start recognizing these different facets, you can, you, you've got your, you've got your structure, you've got your block pattern. I have to say real quick that I love that you have researched so much about gemstones and can, you could probably talk to somebody in a jewelry store about gem. You know what I mean? It's not like you just saw a picture and you're like, I can create that. I don't necessarily need to know about it because I know how to quilt, you know, about gemstones. And I think that is, that is so cool. Well, I, I think you're giving me a, a more credit than probably is due. <laughs> well, okay. You know, a hundred percent more than I know, and probably more than a lot of people who have not attempted to do what you have done. So no, I think. Thank you. One of my dreams <laughs> is to, you know, I, I have gemologists and um, jewelers uh, take my classes and I learn really? so much from them. Oh, it's so fun. But one of my dreams is to actually uh, take a class from the Gemological Institute of America, the GIA, and get my certification in either diamonds and or colored gemstones. Uh, because, uh -huh. you know, I think that would inform my work. It's, you know, it's just a matter of time, right? And who well, has- yeah, I was going to say, what's, what's stopping you from doing that right now? Oh, about a million projects that I can't <laughs> wait to get started on. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> um, well, so let's, can we circle back to freezer paper and how this comes in? Sure. Play? Sure. Okay. Freezer paper is, you know, when, the, when I was first starting to use freezer paper, it was sold in stores, Reynolds freezer paper. And it said for butchers and quilters. And I love that. Oh, really? <laughs> because, because we kind of do the same thing, right? Don't we slice up fabric? Uh, so, um, Ours is a, a little cleaner, I think, hopefully, you know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> So the, the beauty of freezer paper is that, of course, you can write on it like regular paper on one side. And on the back side is a plastic substance that adheres to fabric when you hit it with a hot iron. Then mm -hmm. you can actually remove it very easily and it doesn't rem it doesn't leave a residue. And then you can hit mm -hmm. it again with a hot iron and it will restick. So it's incredibly right. valuable when you want to... Um, created a chart. I basically put large swaths of freezer paper up on my wall and I tape them together with double stick tape. And then I just begin charting out the entire gemstone or the, um, the, the composition and I'll, I'll trace the, um, the facets and then the flow of light and color within them. I have uh, devised a two coding system where there's each facet gets two codes. One is its unique identifier, meaning it's kind of its address. It's, you know, there's only one way that facet's going to fit into that design, right? Mm -hmm. So I need to keep track of it and where it is. So there's a little method, you know, the little, um, you know, method behind the madness there. The second code is the color code. So I know how, what piece of fabric I need to place that, that freezer paper piece on once it's cut apart. And then I'll, I'll do hash marks on it. And, uh, and then once it's all coded, I'll uh, cut it apart. First of all, the very important is you take um, you take a copy of it. You make a copy. Right. So okay. I take it to a reprographics shop, which is a, a shop, a copy shop that specializes in large format print um, copies, like yeah, okay. and drafting things. And then I'll cut it apart. Uh, yeah. And, and then kind of go through the rest of the steps. So freezer paper is 
is just an incredibly powerful tool that any quilt maker can use. Your inspiration doesn't have to be gemstones. Mine is. It could be landscapes. It could be florals. It could be portraits. It could be abstract. But freezer paper allows you to do so much that you can't do with just plastic templates or paper templates. Right. So I have to say, I have used freezer paper before. And I, when I first learned it, I learned it from someone who called it paperless paper piecing because you can, can reuse it and you don't have to tear it away. Yeah. Um, and so I've always just used it and, you know, eight and a half by 11 inch sheets. I've either run it through my printer to print my design on or trace it on there. But so I think it's interesting that you draw them all. I've, in my head, I was picturing you on a computer and drawing in your line, straight lines that way, and then printing it and then having that print enlarged to your size, but you start big. You don't ever even start small on the computer. You just go straight to whatever size you want to make it is what size you start drawing it. I do. And Ashley, you pointed out the the, the thing about me is there's the easy way and then there's the easy <laughs> way. <laughs> well, I don't know that I was going to say, I don't know that the computer way would be an easy way for me. I wouldn't know how to do that. I'm sure there's a program that can, yeah. but I wouldn't know what that is. So I'd probably have to draw too, but I just, I would probably start have drawn small. Well, and rather than large. And and I love playing with, you know, I, I use actual images of actual gemstones as my inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I usually do mock-ups. Uh, I, I'll put them together, print out the images, come up with the design as, a, as I, as I in, you know, envision it. And then I'll do a grid. Uh, for example, I do a grid system. If I want a quilt that's four feet by six feet, I'll mm-hmm. do a, I'll do a, a mock-up that's four inches by six inches. Um, And then I'll put the freezer paper on the wall and I'll create the grid system around it. And then I'll start using, you know, transferring the lines from the, the small mock-up to the large, to the large uh, actual piece. Now that's how I had been doing it for a long time. The last couple of images, the last couple of quilts that I've done, I've actually used a digital printer. I'm I'm sorry, a digital projector. So I'll have my mock-up and I'll put it on a thumb drive, put it in my uh, digital projector and then project the image up onto the wall. However, it's always important to have that mock-up there because when you do that projection, things get a little bit fuzzy, even though it's a digital, it gets a little fuzzy, but I found that's helpful. Now with my patterns, I have my birthstone patterns, which have Mm -hmm. been so much fun. And then my big Elizabeth diamond, which is a 48 inch princess cut diamond that people can do. I actually have put those on, um, I, I chart those in Adobe Illustrator and and, and okay. code them. And then my printer uh, takes them and prints them on freezer paper and regular paper in my pattern. So I actually have two charts in each, each of my patterns. I have one, which is freezer paper, which you cut up. And then you have another one on regular paper, which is your cheat sheet, right? It's your treasure map. You're not, you're going to put it on the wall and not cut that up. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to, you know, really have a heck of a puzzle on your hands, which maybe is what you want. If you want to kill some time, like put that puzzle together. Um, Well, so uh, I do want to talk about the gemstones and your other uh, patterns as well, but just because you've mentioned a couple of times with charting, how you have a color chart and how you know what color to put that piece, but how do you decide on fabrics, decide on colors? I'm assuming mostly solids, very little prints. Kind of how do you work through that whole process? Yep, you're you're right on there. I have had kind of an evolution of what I've used. When I first did my gemstones, I was using solids because it, you just can't go wrong with it. And I just yeah. didn't have access. I mean, this was back in 1996, right? You don't mm-hmm. have a lot of access to things on the internet. Um, and there's not a lot of art 
uh, hand dyes going on there. There were some, you know, Mickey Lawler had her sky dyes and her beautiful, beautiful fabric. But I was using solids. Well, then I decided, hmm, I wonder what it would look like if I used prints. But I learned that prints don't necessarily make for the very best diamonds. And it's because prints, by definition, call attention to themselves. They're like, hey, look at me. I'm so pretty. But I don't want people to look at an individual piece. I want them to look at the gem as a whole, to see the flow of light and color. That's why I don't use fabrics like lame in my quilts, because if you used um, a, a dull fabric, but then you used a piece of lame, you would look immediately. That would become the, the diva, you know, the, 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 yeah. the drama queen of the quilt. And I want people to look at the whole thing. So I pretty much moved away from prints quickly and found hand dyes and then uh, ballet hand dyes um, that look like the light is flowing up through this to the surface of the of the fabric mm-hmm. that until I realized you know what I want more control over the flow of light and color across the individual facets you can use gradients for that but in mm-hmm. some cases I wanted a nice big stretch of color or a real tight one so I I realized I was going to have to learn how to paint my own fabric I was just going to ask if that's what you're going to do. No, yeah. I wasn't excited about it because I'm like, oh, I have to learn one more thing. You know, just again, another learning curve. But I have to tell you, Ashley, it's the most fun thing I get to do in the whole process. I love it. I I get to, you know, I have a big frame and I staple my fabric. I use a a cotton sateen, 100% -hmm. cotton sateen from Dharma Trading Company. And I paint on the shiny side because it's a beautiful luster that adds, a, I think, a dimension to the quilts that are very special. And I used a Jacquard Products Dynaflow watercolor yeah. fabric paint. It's yeah. a beautiful hand to the fabric and it heat sets when it when you hit it with a hot iron. Mm-hmm. And um, I just... I just go wild. It's yeah, I call it splashing about in wild color or going all Helen Frankenthaler on it, you know, just wah, wah, wah. can I tell you a story about that? Yeah. Um I about two a year and a half ago, I was lucky enough to be invited to go to the quilt show uh with Ricky Tim with Alex Anderson and Ricky Tim's. Mm-hmm. They were okay. they were actually uh taping at the Iowa Quilt Museum up in Winterset, Iowa. And yeah they knew that I was going to be painting fabric. And so they set me up in the middle of this museum with all of these priceless antique quilts. And I looked at Ricky cause he was painting with me and I said, we need to rein it in buddy, because we've got a, a, a <laughs> antique whole cloth white quilt, not eight feet away from us. I was yeah. freaking out, but we, we had fun. We had a really good time, but I can't believe it. Let me paint in that beautiful place. It was so much fun. Well- See, I would have, a, I would be like, all right, I'm not going to move from this area. Somebody has to walk the paint into me, so I don't have to walk by the quilt with the paint. You know, <laughs> I do that. Well, so uh, in terms of your patterns, so if I'm say I've never made one of your gemstones before, and I want to sort of mimic what your colors are, but maybe I don't want to paint my own fabric. Do you? How do you provide me with? suggestions. Sure, sure. Well, you know, for my patterns, I actually have designed them around Paintbrush Studio Fabrics, Painter's Palette Solids. And they are, they actually have little uh, fat quarter bundles that if people want to do, say, an emerald from my Burstone series, you can buy an emerald fat quarter bundle. So it all matches up. Now, uh, you can use solids, you can use a textured solid. 
for example, E.E. Um, e. Shanks Maywood Studios has a beautiful uh, fabric called Shadow Play, and it makes for a really nice, uh, warm kind of a, a, a um, an effect. So I have translated my birthstones and the Diamond Divas series, and the first of which is Elizabeth, into numerous different color uh, fabric lines. Again, I designed it for paintbrush studio fabrics, but I uh, translated into Kona cotton, Michael mm -hmm. Miller cotton couture, uh, Moda Bella solids, yeah. and Hoffman 1895 Valley hand dyes, which really make for interesting birthstones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, so uh, I would say a wide range of very easily accessible, well-known fabrics. So if you're, you were listening before and maybe like, well, I've never heard of that one. I guarantee you've probably heard of at least one or two of what you just mentioned. So mm -hmm. I love that, that yeah, no matter what your fabric preference, uh, you'll be able to do that. Well, so you have your patterns out, but you also have a book coming out too, right? Oh yeah. Isn't that exciting? Yes. <laughs> Tell us about it. Well, I, I have been doing this for this, this diamond uh, adventure for about 23 years. And I remember maybe about 15, 18 years ago, I started just the little bits of putting a book together. It's like, if I wanted to write a book about this or teach a class about it, what would I do? So I've been dreaming about doing a book for, you know, maybe 18 years now, but you know, it's taken 18 years for this whole adventure to evolve to where I've learned so much more that I, hopefully it's now helpful. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, so um, I've always wanted to um, write a book with CNT Publishing. I love their their books. They're so beautiful. And so when I had the opportunity to do that, I jumped at the chance. So uh, I worked with the good team there last year, and we uh, were able to pull together all the, 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 the content and the images. I can tell you there are about 26, 27, 28 images of some of the most beautiful gemstones I've ever seen. My friends who are international gem dealers, Lori and Simon Watt from Mayer and Watt, were mm -hmm. excited when I approached them and said, can I, can I use some of your gemstones? Because they're color gem dealers. Can I, yeah. can I use some of your gemstones to illustrate the concepts in my book? And they're like, yes, please. So oh, it's just going to be filled with eye candy, I think. So I'm <laughs> That's perfect. Well, so can you give us sort of a little um, teaser as to when it's going to be out and when it's available? Oh, sure. You can pre-order now through CNT okay. and um, it's going to be released in October. So around the mid to late October um, uh, uh, time frame, about the time frame that my, my bourbon diamonds are actually going to be out at the National Quilt Museum uh, in Paducah, Kentucky. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the fall. So it's That's perfect. Yeah. So what, which one are those diamonds? Um, those are my bourbon diamonds. I have a series of uh, gemstone quilts that are inspired by bourbon because why not? <laughs> I agree. Okay. <laughs> I live in Louisville, Kentucky. We love our bourbon. We love our quilts. We love our diamonds. So I thought I'm going to bring that together. And you know what, Ashley, it just makes me realize, it makes me want to say that, you know, as artists, it's our responsibility to get our art out into the world, isn't it? And so yes. if you have a hook or a marketing idea, do it. You don't have to be ashamed yeah. of that. Do it. Mm -hmm. uh, do you see other alcohol-themed diamonds in your future other than <laughs> bourbon? Like I, I want a nice Cabernet diamond, you know, Ooh. that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I love that. Adult beverage diamonds. I love mm -hmm. it. I was gonna say you could have, you know, there's there's tequila, you know, so you could have a little bit more of the regular diamond color in there. I don't know. <laughs> You're making me thirsty, girl. <laughs> 
We won't tell anyone we're recording this at 10 a.m. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, I <laughs> have coffee in my cup right now. I do too. <laughs> um, actually, the next series that's on, on deck is the the series that's inspired by the National Gem Collection at the Smithsonian. I have the green light from the curators at the at the Smithsonian uh, National Museum of Natural History to do a mm-hmm. series inspired by, you know, lovelies like the Hope Diamond, the Hooker Emerald, the the Blue Heart Diamond, the uh, Pearson Flawless, and other gorgeous mm-hmm. gemstones that are, I think, as beautiful but less well-known. So that's that's on deck right now. I've got actually I'm looking at the chart. She's about eight feet tall, about four and a half feet wide on my wall. Uh, She's partially cut up uh, of the Victoria Transvaal, a giant cognac colored pear shaped diamond. I'm so excited to start on her. That sounds gorgeous. So you said you have the green light from them. I'm wondering, I mean, those aren't I don't think copyright is the right word. But so what do you mean you have to have sort of uh, approval from them to be able to do this or what is? What's involved there? The the they're the people. They, they told me this is the people's collection, so people can do whatever they want to with them. They just mm-hmm. don't want you to, of course, plagiarize or um, take one of their photographs and use it as your own. Ah. So okay. um, I I I feel it's important to ask whenever yeah. you are using an image of a gemstone, ask uh, because it's just it's good karma. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, you don't want to be accused of. Um, plagiarism or anything like that. And so right. and the other thing is why, why, why not? Because then you basically you're opening up your idea to maybe support from people you wouldn't have gotten support from before. And yeah. so that's been really fun for me. Perfect. Perfect. And, you know, and people are like, how could, you know, doing something like that. And, you know, maybe we can get into the, the whole idea of when I do my trunk shows and when I talk to, to my students in my classes, I really want to talk to people, not just about tips and tricks and how to put fabric together in a way that makes them sparkle like a gemstone, but really, how to how to approach your work with joy and and mm-hmm. fear? Because I really think there's two states in life. One is joy and all the things that fall under that. You know, love, kindness, compassion, mercy, gratitude. And it's really kind of a it, it's a if you think about it in a posture, it's an openness. It's an open to the universe, ready to engage. And on the other side, there's there's fear, right? And that's definitely. You know, all the things that are involved in that, which are worry and anger and greed and bullying. Um, and that's a real defensive posture. And you can't mm-hmm. be in two positions at the same time. You have to choose one. Now, mm-hmm. fear is what makes us human. It's triggered in our amygdala by things that frighten us. But also as humans, we have an opportunity to be able to say no to that. You know, fear, my old friend, take your hand from my shoulder and I'm going to say yes to joy instead. And it really, truly is, in my view, a practice. And especially, Mm -hmm. Ashley, these times and these uncertain times, for me, you have to choose multiple, multiple, multiple times a day to choose joy instead of fear. Yeah, I agree. And being able to do something that not only is going to bring you joy, you've chosen that, but that will hopefully maybe get somebody else to as well. Either choose that or bring them, you know, into your, your thought process there. Right. And I think as quilt makers, sometimes we choose fear, you know, oh, my, my points aren't, you know, perfectly together or, oh, I wonder if this color is right. And will they like my work? And I'm, my, my, my thought, my, my message to people is to just go for it. You know, there's a wonderful book out there called Art and Fear, The Perils and Pleasures of Making Art. It's by David Bales and Ted Orland. And the mm-hmm. premise of their 
book is your art is waiting to be made. Only you can make it. So mm-hmm. do it and make lots of it and just get yeah. that fear and, and just enjoy. So that's one of the reasons that I have designed my patterns where precision is not a priority. My, my lines of my diamonds don't line up perfectly because mm-hmm. they don't have to. Light doesn't follow quilters rules, right? Right. And so it allows people really to, you know, in their studios to, you know, relax, get their shoulders out of their ears and breathe and and have fun with it. I want to bring joy back into our quilt studios. See, and I love that you said that precision isn't required because just looking at one of the diamonds that you've made, it looks like it is precise. You know what I mean? So for you to say that it might not be, or that there is a part that maybe isn't perfect. Like, I think that's, somebody needs to hear that because you, even you as the designer, as the creator of this are saying it doesn't have to be perfect. That means, you know, me who's making it, you know, just for fun, of course, mine doesn't have to be perfect either. So I think that's, that's great that you say that. And just to follow up on your, your fear comment, I don't think it's people have fear of making something. It's fear of other people judging what they've made. So yeah, if you just, you know, make it for you, you don't have to worry about that at all. Exactly. I do a treasure hunting class, a two-day treasure hunting class, all about sort of design, composition, and technique of how to put these together. And I do a really quick little thing about abstract art. And the thing about abstract art, and really, if you think about these gemstones, they're taking something very small and blowing it up very big. So it's almost abstracting it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, when, you, when you're looking at abstract art, the, 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 the question is, isn't what is it or what is it supposed to be it's how does it make you feel and so we're all wired differently you know you'll respond to things differently than I will because of our makeup because the way our brains are wired and so if something resonates with you if you think it's beautiful and cool that's all that matters because it resonates with you Um, so you never never have to justify your art and that's another permission that we need to give ourselves to say I love it. If you don't, that's okay. You know, yeah. I love it. Yeah. and that's what's important to me. So yeah. when well, that's why there's so many different styles of everything. If, right. if we we're all meant to like the same thing, there'd only be one of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Well, so to kind of come full circle here, what would you say to somebody who is just getting into quilting? Obviously you kind of came from, like you said, your mom taught you, you had family friends that were into quilting as well. But if you don't have that, if you are somebody who nobody else in your family quilts, but you're thinking, you know, maybe this looks kind of fun. Uh, what sort of motivation or inspiration would you provide them? I'd say, keep going, approach it with mm-hmm. joy and one step at a time. You don't have to master any one technique or, or, or a bunch of techniques right away. It takes a long time to just see all that's out there. It's, it's like this giant pool that you can dive into and never hit the bottom. So just enjoy the, the dive, just enjoy the swim. Now my patterns, I purposely created them for the beginning quilt maker in mind. So I, my audience are people who have just started to quilt and are looking for kind of a cool new technique or traditional quilters who want to kind of move into the art quilt space or art quilters. My patterns don't necessarily resonate with a lot of traditional quilters. It's mostly modern people, modern, modern aesthetics, but because they're block quilts, they, you know, they, they do have a crossover and I've been really pleased how traditional quilters have embraced them. But Mm -hmm. for a new quilt maker, I would say just dive in and be joyful and don't let fear overwhelm you. Um, This is such an amazing work uh, passion that we have. And there's something for everybody in quilt making. Yes. 
I agree, 100%. I have a couple random follow-up questions I just thought of on your gemstones. What are the size ranges of your patterns? Because you mentioned the size of the one that you have you know, up on your wall that you have in progress, but what is sort of the biggest one you've made and the smallest one that you've made? Okay, and, and maybe I can um, further separate it out. I have my art quilts and then I have mm -hmm. my patterns. So I don't make patterns from my art quilts, right? Because okay. those are those are sold and they're collect you know to collectors, and of course you don't want to sell the pattern to that. Right. Um, so yeah, so probably the biggest quilt I've made is hanging art quilt I've made is hanging at Maker's Mark. It's one of my bourbon diamond series. It was commissioned by Rob Samuels, who is a third generation uh, of the Maker's Mark family. And mm -hmm. that's in Kentucky. It's about nine and a half feet tall, about five feet wide, has about between eight and 900 pieces of hand dyed fabric in oh all kinds of oranges and ambers and darks and burgundies. So it's, yeah. you can go to my website and see it. It's mjkinman.com. So that's I was just going to say, we're going to post a bio on you that'll have links to this. So everyone can see all these wonderful photos. Oh, good, good. Now my patterns where people can actually buy them from your local quilt shop. Um, and please support your local quilt shop. We mm -hmm. need your help right now. Um, yes. Is my, my birthstone series are 17 inch blocks. Um, that was really dictated by the size of the freezer paper that my printer could put through their print. I wanted to make it as big as possible. So there's 17 inch blocks um, and there's 12 of them. You don't have to make all of them. Some people are actually making family quilts, little quilts that maybe wall hangings that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the birthstones uh, of the family members mm -hmm. or they're, they're making them into wedding quilts or, or wedding um, announcements or baby announcements. People are doing really cool things with them and they're changing up the colors. They're taking yeah. amethyst and adding citrine to it to make an ametrine. Um, I just, I'm, it, just, it just blows my mind, the creativity that people are, are exhibiting with this. And I'm like, go baby, go. So <laughs> The Elizabeth pattern is a little bigger. It is actually, it's a lot bigger. It's 48 inches by 48 inches. So it's a big, beautiful girl. Um, and it's four quadrants. She's just a giant four patch. Um, mm -hmm. And um, then my, I'm, the next one I'm going to bring out is called the Catherine. And she's going to be a round, brilliant cut solitaire. So I'm, I'm excited uh, about that. Um, I also want to let you know, Ashley, to people who are like, I don't know if I can follow a pattern. Maybe I need a class. Yes. I have these gem affiliates, these teachers around the country who teach my patterns. So if you are really? interested, mm -hmm. so if you have, if you want to learn, you can go on my website and meet the team, meet the gem affiliate team. However, mm -hmm. I also wanted to let you know that I specifically wrote my patterns as though I'm sitting with you in your quilt room saying, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And you might want to think about this and here's a tip and here's what I've learned. And this is an example of what I did. And now watch out for this or, you know, we're going right. to, et cetera. I will also wanted to let people know that if they're interested in doing the Elizabeth pattern, I think a lot of people are intimidated, intimidated by its size and complexity, but the Elizabeth pattern is actually easier to put together than some of the gems, the, the birthstones, because the pieces are bigger, right? So right. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be launching a sew along for the Elizabeth in June. So people can sign up during the month of May and I will be doing, it's probably late May I'm going to start it, but it's going to be an eight or 10 week sew along. So I will be giving some encouragement and instruction and just some companionship for people if they want to make Elizabeth with me. Yeah, that sounds perfect. I think I might have to join in on that. Awesome. I'd love to have perfect. you.
Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for telling us all about all about gemstones. I love all the information that you have about the gemstones themselves also. It just makes me so happy. So thank you so much for sharing all that about your patterns, your books, um, and sort of inspiration to get people into quilting and into the happiness that quilting can bring you. Thank you. It's been a delight being here. 